Cats at Night. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. Welcome to the John Katsimatidis Cats at Night show. John Katsimatidis, are you there? I am here. I'm on in the car on the long, long, long <laughs> Island Expressway on the way to Senator D'Amato's official birthday party, which I can't miss. And uh, uh, if, you, if you hear crackling in, the, uh, in my voice, it's the car, and it's the Long Island Expressway. And you guys run the show today, but I'm here to make comments. Absolutely. We have a great show for everyone tonight. In studio, we have Judge Richard Weinberg. We also have, what, what, what do we call you, Chairman, right? Chairman Ed Cox. Of the, Mr. Chairman. Mr. Chairman Ed Cox. We also have Gordon Chang, Lon Augustenberg, a former NYPD Police Commissioner Bill Bratton, to talk about the violent crime wave we're seeing sweeping across New York City as well as the nation. But first on the line for us, Professor Alan Dershowitz, just a couple of decades at Harvard Law, a Brooklyn boy at heart. And it's Tuesday, so it's Professor Dershowitz. Well, welcome back to Cats at Night, Professor. Well, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be on. Let me add, Professor, a beloved professor known better as the Dersh. <laughs> uh, that's it's true. I was known as the Dersh, and I was a very popular professor. But yep. now that I've defended President Trump, I'm not sure I can get a single student to come to my class. I'm banned in all the libraries. I'm banned all over my yeah, but, but, Alan, you're not banned at WABC. And but, that's the name of your podcast, right? right? The Dersh? The Dersh Show, which I do at 530. Uh, yeah. Uh, so what are we going to talk I, about tonight? I know what I want to talk about. Okay, well, tell us. Go, you go first. You I go want first. to talk about Nancy Pelosi going to Taiwan because usually I'm very opinionated. I know exactly what I think about every issue. This one I am totally confused and ambivalent about. On the one hand, of course I support Taiwan. I don't want to see China ever take over that democracy, that wonderful small country that's battling for its own survival. On the other hand, her going there without directly the imprimatur of the president of the United States, they're playing it very close to the vest. Is that a provocation? Isn't it a provocation? So I'm I'm ambivalent about whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. It is interesting that the president of the United States announced today that the generals, the military, the Defense Department didn't think it was a good idea. For what them. a mistake. What a yeah. mistake. Why announce that? You've been to China uh, several times and as well as Taiwan, correct, Ed Cox? There, I went there with President Nixon and I've been to Taiwan a lot and, uh, and also the mainland and the countries around the periphery of the mainland. And, uh, you know, the, the tradition is they said, look, it'd be 50 years. This is a Chinese talk. It'd be 50 years before Taiwan uh, re- is reunited uh, uh, politically with the mainland. Uh, we all agree it's one country. We'll become one. And lots of communique saying it'll be done peacefully. But now Xi understands, President Xi of China understands with what he's done to Hong Kong, and given the thriving democracy and the freedom of the people and the free market in Taiwan, there is no way that's going to be united peacefully. Uh, no, I agree with you. I had dinner the other day with a friend of mine who had spent 30 years in Hong Kong, loved it, brought his children up there because he was promised that Hong Kong would remain independent and free and the great city that Hong Kong was for so many years. And he and his family just moved out. They can't do it anymore. It was a wonderful city. I've been there a number of times. It was Milton Friedman's favorite city, the the freest um, free market that uh, that as a for any entity in the world. 
and yeah. thrive. And, so know, there the is some people. there's some, you know, breaking news, Professor Dershowitz, and I'll tell you, Ed Cox, China is launching targeted military operations yeah. around yeah. Taiwan in response to Pelosi's visit. So clearly this is President Xi's way of trying to save face because yeah. in China, that's what matters most. Right. To show how strong you are. Right. That, that they're the superpower. Yeah. The one thing you can't do is do it in, you'll pardon the expression, a half-assed way. And you can't do it by sending the Speaker of the House without the complete and full support of the United States president, the United States government, and the United States military. It just shows weakness. It doesn't show strength. And It's one more, what, what it's one more situation where this administration shows weakness abroad, which is going to hurt us enormously, Alan. Yeah. Yeah. Look, uh, you know, I think that President Obama uh, was one of the best domestic presidents in American history and the single worst foreign policy president in my lifetime. Uh, What he did to our foreign policy was horrible. What he did to Israel, what he did to so many other parts of the world was just horrible. The Democrats have to get it together on foreign policy. And they haven't done that now for a long time. And this just is not the right approach uh, to take to in, in a very, very delicate situation. And uh, it just I don't think it's going to help the situation any to have her there without the full and complete support of the United yeah, States. Yeah, But the problem is once she announced she couldn't pull back because that would be yeah. even worse. Yeah. 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 You know, you remember how criticized Benjamin Netanyahu was when he came to speak in front of the Congress, having been invited by the Congress to speak, but he wasn't invited by the president. And he was criticized for that. Now we have a variation of that. We have the Speaker of the House. She's elected. She can do whatever she wants to do, but she's a Democrat. And she's perceived in China as part of the Democratic administration, you know, going rogue, essentially. And uh, I don't know what she was thinking or what her assistants were thinking. It's just so confusing not to have a singular foreign policy against such a strong opponent as China. Speaker Gingrich visited in 1997, and there wasn't the same ruckus. Uh, And that's because China was in a different position. It was just beginning to take off, beginning to grow economically. This president president Xi has a different agenda, Ed. And And he's a much better leader. He's a much smarter leader. He's much more calculating. They're in a much better economic situation. The situation with Russia has strengthened them by weakening Russia. I I normally don't uh, differ with with, uh, the Dersh, but uh, (laughs) Xi's economy is not growing. It's really zero growth. It's been there for some time. Part of that is because of the lockdowns, others because of the Communist Party really interfering with business all over the place as a a matter of power for Xi. And and because of that, he needs to show strength abroad in order to rally the national spirit of the Chinese. And so that's what's going on here. But let let me ask a question. Uh, God forbid, Professor Dersh and Ed Cox and Judge Weinberg and John Katz-Mitsidis, let me ask this question. God forbid something were to happen to Pelosi or they were to launch some sort of uh, military strike versus just these cyber attacks. Not, not going not to happen. But, but happen. I'm just it's saying, say it. Are we happen. even in the position it's to defend? It's not waste time and stuff that's not going to happen. It's not right. going to happen. I want to tell you a fascinating story. So I went to China a few years ago at their request, a lecture at all the major universities. And I got students galore just coming, and they assigned me the top student from Beijing University to be my guide. 
And we became friends. We were there together for a week. And I said to him, what are your goals? He says he has two goals. Two goals. One, I want to be invited to become a member of the Communist Party. And second, I want to become a mergers and acquisition partner at Gadnarp in New York. <laughs> I mean, there, there is such schizophrenia there yeah. between being a member of the Communist Party and being a capitalist success. And they are trying to do both of those things at the same time. They pronounce themselves as communists. They behave like capitalists. And, uh, you know, it's uh, as you say, the economy hasn't been growing. But they have to be a strong economy just because they have so many people. Compare them to Russia. Russia, which has had a diminishing economy over the years. Uh, and China owns so much of our debt. So well, the immediate you know, they problem are is with, those, to us. With, the, with those domestic problems, with the economic problems, with the lockdowns, where everyone is locked down for two months in Shanghai, uh, which is normally a yep. bustling city. The, it's the economic heartland of China. And Xi, and, and is, up, Xi is up for, for re-election for an oh, unprecedented third mean? term. <laughs> I, you know, let's bet on that. He wins. I bet he actually wins, and I bet there won't be any claim that it was a fixed election. <laughs> you find somebody to take that bet. Well, he's getting he's getting kicked around by some of the old uh, the old guard there, and yeah. especially right now at Bedaha where they all get together uh, in 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 August. So he he wants to be sure that that and part of his showing strength abroad is part of it making sure. That uh, that that kind of uh, descent in the in the upper elite around him, the yeah. proteges of the former presidents, the two former presidents who are still around, uh, that concerns him, and he wants to be yeah. united. And nationalism is a way to do it. Can I ask you, Alan? Can I ask yeah, you a question sure, about please. the yeah. uh, about the legislation introduced by some of the Democrats in in Congress to have term limits for justices, the United States Supreme Court? What's your opinion on that? It's unconstitutional, but I would favor a constitutional amendment that would have a 15-year term with staggered appointments. It would have to be probably prospective only. And, you know, there's a possibility that a term limit constitutional amendment could pass because the Republicans would support it because it wouldn't apply to the current justices who are very young and could serve forever. And the Democrats might support it because they don't want to see that kind of power among Supreme Court justices. So I favor the concept of term limits, 15 years or something like that. But legislation would be unconstitutional. The Constitution explicitly says that you serve in good, good behavior. behavior. For good behavior. Which has been interpreted as meaning lifetime. And, you know, my, my dear friend Steve Breyer, who I spoke to just the other day, and uh, who, you know, served 25 years, uh, and he retired at about the right time, Justice Ginsburg probably didn't, at least according to her uh, politics. And so I think a mandatory retirement after a certain age would be a, 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 a or no term limits would be a good thing. Mandatory retirement at a particular age would not be a good thing because it would just provoke presidents to appoint very young people. And uh, you don't want 40 year olds or 30 year olds on the Supreme Court. It's better if you get a term limit of 15 then you could appoint 60-year-olds to the Supreme Court, even 55 or 70 or 65, because they all have term limits. So I, I prefer term limits uh, over uh, an age uh, limitation. Well, thank you so much, Professor Dershowitz. And again, what's the name of your podcast and how can people watch it? Uh, it's called listen. The Dershow. And there's my, my new book called The Price of Principle, How Integrity is Worth the Cost. And uh, it just came out. It's my 50th book. So 
Thanks. Just 50. Thank you so much, Professor Dershowitz, and keep it right here. We are going to be speaking with Gordon Chang, talking more about Taiwan. We'll talk about Iran. So much more. Keep it right here. Cats at Night. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Welcome back to the John Katzmatidis Cats at Night show. Again, we have a full studio tonight. We have Judge Richard Weinberg, chairman of the GOP, Ed Cox. And we also have uh, John Katzmatidis. He's there on the line with us. Right, John? I'm here. He's here. And then we also have Gordon Chang on the line. Gordon Chang. You could follow him on Twitter at Gordon G. Chang. He's an author and Middle and Far East scholar, senior scholar at the Gatestone Institute. Gordon Chang, talk to us about what does this mean about Pelosi landing in Taiwan despite all of the threats? And it appears that the Biden administration isn't even fully supporting her. You're right, Lydia. The Biden administration tried to prevent her from going there. It has said a few things in public, which are milk toast at best. But Nancy Pelosi will not be denied. Um, she's now in Taipei, despite all the Chinese threats. And really what she has done is she has shown that America stands with free peoples. People can criticize the speaker. People can say this was not the right time. They can say all those things. But the people of Taiwan and the people of the world understand that America today is strong. Well, she's not Ed Cox here, Gordon. She's not the first speaker of the House to go to to Taiwan. Uh, in 1997, uh, the Speaker of the House went there, Newt Gingrich. Uh, how do you compare the two, and what does it mean about China? I think that it was great that Speaker Gingrich went to Taiwan. It was a very different China, a China that was trying to welcome the United States, that was trying to get our support for admission into, for instance, the World Trade Organization. It was a China that did not threaten the life of the speaker. This China did, and the speaker went anyway. And uh, whatever our differences is, our differences are, Americans have to stand together at this particular time because we have an enemy that wants to take down our society. So Republicans and Democrats, um, unless they want the Chinese to rule us, are going to have to work together on this. But China has its own problems, and you referred to this in your book, the coming collapse of China. Uh, they, I understand they have the biggest real estate bubble ever in the economic history of the world. Is that correct? That is correct. Um, Right now, they've also got a debt crisis because the property developers, the biggest ones, the strongest ones, are now facing defaults or have already defaulted. And there is now a mortgage boycott in China. People who have bought unfinished apartments from developers have now stopped paying their mortgages to the banks. And this is across China. Also, um, uh, companies that have been supplying the developers with materials, they've stopped paying their loans to the banks. There have been bank runs. Um, this has just been one disaster after another. I don't think Beijing really has an answer to this. And so this is going to affect China's external behavior because the Communist Party needs to divert the attention of the Chinese people away from the debt crisis, away from its other policy mistakes. And that's going to affect things like the speaker's visit, but it's also going to affect countries like India, Japan, the Philippines, and, of course, the United States. Gordon, it's, uh, it's Richard Weinberg. Let me ask you this. Is there any possibility that you could have a change either in leadership at the top of China or change in direction? That's always a possibility, Judge. And the reason is that uh, 
you, Chinese leaders, although they say they've got a fixed term, really don't. Um, because um, things can just happen at any time in the communist system. Xi Jinping hopes to get his unprecedented third term as general secretary of the Communist Party. Um, but we also know that he's broken a lot of the norms and guidelines and rules that have previously um, constrained Chinese leaders because he does want to become dictator for life. And that is scrambling up China. And that means although Xi Jinping believes that he's accumulated a lot of power, it also he understands that he could lose that power in an instant, especially because he's being blamed for a lot of the um, issues like covid and, of course, the debt crisis. So how big are the lockdowns? How much has that hurt him? The lockdown Shanghai for for several months, uh, the thriving, bustling uh, economic uh, heartland uh, of China, and they shut it down completely. Uh, What kind of impact does that have on his power? It has the impact in the sense that the lockdowns have affected or are continuing to affect the Chinese manufacturing and service sectors. The Chinese economy is undoubtedly contracting now, although they did report 0.4% growth year to year in the second quarter. That, I think, is an exaggeration. Um, At the moment, the lockdowns are still affecting China. So, for instance, in Wuhan, where this disease first surfaced, there are now more than 970,000 people in a district who are locked down because regular testing has disclosed four asymptomatic cases. Um, this is uh, draconian. This is makes no sense from at least an economic point of view. But Xi Jinping is considered to be the author of this uh, zero COVID policy, which means that he can't change this at a time which is considered to be politically sensitive. So, Gordon Chang, I wanted to switch topics to Iran. So Iran has declared it can use nuclear missiles to turn New York into hellish ruins. The Iranian regime's Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps said this weekend that it can develop a nuclear weapon within a rapid fire amount of time and obliterate New York with ballistic missiles. Why is this happening now and what does this mean? Uh, I think it's because the Iranians don't respect uh, the United States. I do believe that they have the capability to develop a nuclear weapon. I'm not so sure that they can miniaturize it to put it on top of a missile. Except, though, we know that the Chinese have supplied a warhead design that Iran has, an old one, and maybe they've got a new one as well. Um, They get their missiles from the North Koreans. Uh, The Chinese have orchestrated that trade. Um, I don't know if the Iranians have a missile that can reach all the way to New York, but they do have missiles that can reach deep into Western Europe. And it's just a matter of time before the North Koreans give them the Wasong-17 which could um, put New York and the rest of the continental United States in range. So even if the Iranians can't do this today, and I don't think they quite can, they will be able to do it in fairly short order. Well, their main target is Israel, and Israel has said it will not permit, in very definitive terms, permit Iran to have a nuclear weapon uh, that it could deliver on Israel. So... What happens as they get to that position? The question of whether Israel will use force against Iran really depends, I believe, on whether Israel believes the United States will support Israel. And the Biden administration has distanced itself from um, uh, uh, 
Israel. And I, I think that essentially what we're seeing is, uh, you know, President Trump, um, you can criticize his Middle East policy, but it did keep it did keep peace there. And um, at this particular time, I think Israel is much more concerned about the posture of the Biden administration than it was of uh, the Trump, uh, the Trump team. At this particular moment, um, I think Israel could strike around because they don't trust us. Would they do without uh, a wink from the Biden administration? That's a great question. Um, I think that there would be a lot of consultation with the Biden administration, um, but ultimately Israel's going to decide based upon what it feels is its own security. And if they don't trust us, um, I think that they would defy um, the Biden administration. Well, the uh, Russia has air defenses all over Syria. Uh, could uh, how could they deliver? Uh, the the whatever they did to take out the uh, the uh, the Iranian nuclear capability, how would they do it? They could do it in a number of different ways, and one of them would just be um, through irregular forces. Um, Israel is well on the ground in Iran. It has taken out Iranian nuclear technicians and scientists before. Um, and so you could see special operations of various sorts. Uh, it, the campaign doesn't have to be all at once. It can be slow. And Israel is perfectly capable of doing that. The question of whether they deliver bombs by air, um, that's going to depend on cooperation that Israel needs from various countries in the region for overflight. Um, but nonetheless, uh, one way or another, Israel will protect itself. Gordon Chang, you have the pulse on international news what i know america's not happy with biden his poll numbers are basically the historic lows the lowest they've ever been probably for any other modern day president what is the worldwide view of president biden do they see him as weak and as feckless as so many americans do um many people around the world do and unfortunately some of those people are in moscow and beijing um biden has um Done, been pretty popular in Western Europe for a number of reasons because of his outreach and willing to give the Western Europeans a veto over some aspects of American foreign policy. Um, so in those areas, he is indeed uh, welcome. But when it comes to our, al uh, our adversaries, um, they're taking advantage of him. This is Afghanistan. This is Ukraine of failures there. And the Chinese now think that because of those previous failures, they can do what they want, which makes the Beijing extremely dangerous right now. And then also with Putin backing China, they feel emboldened. There's a new axis. It's Iran, it's Russia and China. And it's it's the Chinese supporting the Russian war effort. Um, although the Biden administration has warned Beijing off, nonetheless, Beijing has been helping um, the Russians prosecute that war. And so at some point, I think the White House is going to have to start sanctioning China for um, helping the Russians commit these acts of genocide, crimes against humanity, and of course, the aggression against Ukraine. And the fact that we're pushing this green agenda, which China will be profiting so much from with the electric, the solar panels and the electric car batteries. It's just really it's really dumbfounding. Well, it is dumbfounding. And in addition, we've seen the Biden administration, apart from green energy, um, take decisions that help the Chinese worker over the American one. So although the president does talk about Buy America, although he talks about making things in this country, when you look at on balance what he's done, 
Um, he's really helped workers in other countries over those in ours. Well, thank you so much, Gordon Chang. Again, if you want to follow Gordon Chang, go to Gordon G. Chang on his Twitter. We still got a great show for everyone. We'll be talking to former CIA chief of operations of the Counterintelligence Center in Washington, D.C., Lon Augustenberg, talking about that terrorist leader that was killed. Of course, NYPD Commissioner Bill Bratton on the crime that is sweeping New York City. There's two new viral videos. It appears cops are under attack. Keep it right here. John Katzmatidis, Cats at Night. This is Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Welcome back to the John Katzmatidis Cats at Night show. In studio with us, we have Judge Richard Weinberg, we have Ed Cox, and we have John Katzmatidis on the line. John, you still there? I am here. You guys are doing such a great job. You know, almost don't need me. Oh, no. But, uh, we, we no, 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 no. It was nice to talk to it was all, it was nice to talk to Gordon Chang, and the one question we missed on Gordon Chang was the banks were a lot of banks in in China were closed if they have reopened them. But we, I guess, we'll get them next time he's on. But maybe Ed Cox, you can answer that quickly. Are they still closed? The, the, the banks in China? Uh, the, the, it depends where you are. They have lockdowns, and because there's no natural immunity, their vaccine doesn't work. They will continue to have lockdowns, including banks. Wow. So that's another reason why their economy is basically stagnant. In deep trouble, and they're not used to that. They have not had a completely zero economic growth for now 30 years. Well, now we're going to go to another. So there's a lot of por- a big portion of the Chinese people are starting to uh, get upset at what's going on between the COVID, uh, the COVID and the uh, banks being closed. So there's a lot of discontent. And like Gordon Chang says, you never know what's going to happen. And I'm sure there's opposition there. But, Ed Cox, you know China a lot better than all of us. Uh, what say you? There is opposition, definitely. They're the two former presidents who served 10-year terms are still uh, still alive. They're still there. They still have their protégés in government. And that worries uh, President Xi as he's going for an unprecedented third term in the uh, Communist Congress that's, that's going to happen in several weeks. And Ed Cox, one last question. How dependent is our economy here in America on China? Uh, we are very uh, we are very involved with China, back and forth, the huge exports and imports. Uh, it has to change to a certain extent because for a long time they were exporting. Go ahead, John. And Ed Cox, what, what they're doing is that the White House and President Biden is trying to make us even more dependent on it because if we're pushing electric cars and most of those batteries are made by China, I mean, here we go all over again. And what, a, of, uh, and what about our pharmaceutical? You know? And our pharmaceuticals, we're dependent on them too. You're 100% right. We even had to get our protective equipment from China. I mean, it is, you know, during COVID. So a lot more to talk about China and trying to become the next superpower of the world. Now let's go to another part of the world. We're going to be speaking with Lon Augustenberg. He's a former CIA chief of operations for the Counterintelligence Center for 35 years. He's now the founder of Novus Intelligence. We're going to, of course, be talking to him about the major breaking news that we found out last night that Ayman al-Zwahiri, who's a top guy in al-Qaeda, was finally taken out. There were rumors of his death 
But I'm reading, Lon Augustenberg, that right now the Biden administration, although they are confirming the kill that happened over the weekend, they still don't have DNA evidence to 100 percent definitively confirm that they actually took him out. Do we know for sure they got the guy this time? Because last time they killed a whole family, the Biden administration, and they told us they took out some some top guys out of Al Qaeda. Well, I, I think it's been pretty confirmed even by the Taliban at this point. Um, and the evidence is pretty clear. Uh, the I don't think we're going to get DNA because I don't think there's much left of them to find, you know, two Hellfire missiles blowing them up. Um, and it took out the entire balcony and, you know, he just evaporated. Um, so, um, you know, that'd be tough. To, but I think we have the Taliban confirming um, okay. that, that he is dead. So I don't think that's an issue. I think yeah, you know, I think it's just one incredible operation in which no U.S. persons were put at risk, but yet we got the guy we we needed to get with no collateral damage. And I think I think the Taliban won't say that, but I think they're pretty impressed that we, you know, that neighborhood was full with Taliban leaders that could have been killed in that besides his family, which would have caused, you know, a, a, a more severe reaction. I think. How the head Cox here? How the heck did they take out? One individual with two Hellfire missiles, uh, and not hurt anyone else in that in that house. Well, my understanding is that they studied the building extensively for months and angled it just right, so it only took out the balcony while he was standing on it. So it's a pretty amazing shot. But uh, you know, we can be that precise with with a missile from a, from a drone. Now, did they and, have uh, to have? Did they have to have help on the ground to do that kind of an analysis? Well, I, I think Leon Panetta said last night too I, that. Uh, so I think I can say it is: there's no way you can do that kind of operation unless you have human sources. And and uh, we did when we left Afghanistan, and the military pulled out. The CIA, you know, sort of um, really did a, a full court press on making sure we left, uh, you know, human sources there that could run operations and. Uh, and it's really paid off. And uh, I think that's the problem now is protecting those sources after that operation. You know? Now, this guy Swahiri, he was also one of the masterminds behind 9-11. How involved was he in terrorist activities as of late? Not too. He really hadn't done too much uh, since then. I mean, of course, you know, he has a long record besides 9-11 masterminding that. But, you know, the USS Cole the two embassy attacks in Africa, and then, of course, the, the worst attack, one day lost CIA has suffered was at Coast, was part of his, uh, He that was one of his operations. So, you know, he's somebody the CIA has wanted for a long time. But since that time, it's been very fragmented since Osama bin Laden has been taken out, and he's been trying to reorganize that. But uh, it has been, I think there's been one attack in England about four years ago um, that he was credited partially for, but he's been really trying to regroup since then. Is this a me- this is Richard Weinberg? Is this a message to the Taliban that they can't give a free pass as they historically did to Al Qaeda to operate there? Exactly. I mean, you know, I, I, um, the reaction, you know, everybody's worried about a backlash. I think they violated their agreement with President Trump not to allow the Al Qaeda to reestablish itself, and they immediately violated that agreement as soon as we pulled out. And uh, and so they see what happens when they break agreements with the United States. And we're going to stay on them and stay on it. You know, that uh, from this point uh, from this point on, I think they're going to be a little bit worried. They probably won't 
put them up in laps of luxury, and they might be a little harder to dig out. But uh, I think the the intelligence networks there and the technologies there that we can keep keep going after. But I just not sure who the who's left in the in Al Qaeda to get after right now. Again, we're speaking with Lon Augustenberg. He's the former chief of operations for the CIA's counterintelligence for over 35 years. Lon, one of the other concerns we have uh, to the open border policy that we're experiencing here in the United States is not only are sex traffickers and uh, drug dealers getting through the border and convicted criminals, but what about terrorists? Is there a growing fear that we could see some more homegrown terrorists or terrorists, period, coming through our border? Well, Zola Hiri just months ago was was proclaiming to all Muslims that to do their duty, they needed to attack Americans any place they can find them. But in my experience in the agency, I didn't see a lot of use or any use of uh, incidents of the Mexican border. However, the Canadian border was actually used uh, to to import some arms on a potential attack, which was thwarted uh, even before 9-11. So um, I think some of the Middle Eastern terrorists find they're a little bit out of place trying to get through Latin America. But if the border is wide open, it's always a threat. I'm never going to say we don't have to worry about it. But just historically, uh, we haven't seen Middle Eastern terrorists using that as much. But, you know, on the other hand, you've got major crime syndicates, uh, you know, the drug dealers and everything are just it's very porous and wide open. Given that we are such an open society, Israel has managed to penetrate Iran clearly and do operations there. We obviously just managed to penetrate Afghanistan. Who's trying to penetrate the United States and actually is succeeding in doing it here to a certain extent? We're such an open society. Yeah, well, you you know, the Chinese have been very, very successful in in, in, uh, developing human sources, especially in our scientific community and, and in our defense industry. Um, and so, and I would say the Russians have done very well in, in, in cyber-wise to try to get in our infrastructure. We haven't seen them being able to to, to attack us since, since the Ukraine um, invasion of Ukraine, but I think that's still to be expected as this war goes on. Um, the, then we have Iran, who's done a lot of cyber attacks as well, as well as North Korea. But I'd say in terms of the human threat, I, the most likely spies within our government, I'd say the Chinese are the, the most likely threat right now and have probably been the most successful well, yeah, th- over the last few years. Thank you so much, Lon Augustenberg. Thank you so much for all that you do for America. Thank you. Oh, thank you for putting me on again. It's good to talk to you again, John. Thank you. So when we come back, we'll be talking to former NYPD Police Commissioner Bill Bratton. He's got a great new column out in the New York Post. He said the title of this uh, article is Politicians Have Forgotten What Made the City Safe. That couldn't be more true. Keep it right here. Cats at Night will also be speaking to Ryan Payne about the economy. Cats at Night. More to come. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. This is Cats 
Sad Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Welcome back to the John Katzmatidis Cats at Night show. We got uh, still more to go. We got John. John Katzmatidis, you're still on the line there? John is. I'm here. I'm at uh, exit 40E. It only took me an hour and a half to get here. Oh, God. Uh, God bless you guys. And then, of course, we have Ed Cox. We have Judge Richard Weinberg on the line for us right now. We have NYPD. Well, former NYPD police commissioner Bill Bratton, I wish he still was the police commissioner. He wrote a great article in the New York Post, a nice op-ed. Politicians have forgotten what made the city safe. Now, Commissioner Bratton, I saw this one excerpt really stuck out to me from your article. You said that last year, more than 90 percent of the 60,000 felony arrests resulted in no jail or prison time or even probation just a mere 3% of arrests ended in prison sentences. So although NYPD stats show that there are a record number of arrests, the fact that only 3% of arrests ended in even prison sentences, it really does seem like our system is broken. It is. That's down significantly from uh, uh, what it was several years ago. It's reflective of the fact that prosecutors, most of our prosecutors in New York, just do not want to put people in jail. Instead, those people out in the streets killing, robbing, raping, maiming uh, innocent civilians. Uh, I don't know when this will upside down. The prosecutors understand understood their role was to empty the jails rather than to fill them. But that's what's going on in New York, and that's what's causing the now 37% rise in crime so far this year. Commissioners. Transit crime is up 56%. Uh, result of our petitions and DAs turning upside down. Commissioner, it's Richard Warmberg. I tell you, I saw the videos of the police under attack in the streets while they're trying to make arrests. There are a couple of videos that just hit the screens. It's absolutely shocking, the climate of lawlessness that's been created, and yet they have the leaders of the state legislature keep saying they want to see the data. Why don't they just take a walking well, tour of the city? Here's some data for you. In uh, 2020, 708 reported assaults on police. Uh, for the first six months in 2022, that number is now 946, an increase of 238 assaults on NYPD. And on that video you're talking about, as well as others, uh, the fear of Asian arrest uh, a week or so ago, you're seeing the increasing disrespect of the cops and the increasing assaults on them and the failure of the district attorneys to prosecute adequately for uh, basically, assaults on cops, they won't prosecute for resisting arrest. They won't prosecute for obstructing governmental administration, which is when they try to rescue prisoners. As you saw in that video up in the Bronx, you're referencing that the crowd there was basically trying to rescue a prisoner that the cops were trying to basically put in hands. So the DAs will not prosecute. And if they do move forward with prosecution, they immediately let them out of jail without bail. And they're right back on the street. Assault again. Now, I don't know when these DAs and uh, politicians are going to get the message. They're inflicting incredible harm on the uh, honest working citizens of this city and the state. Commissioner Bratton, one of the videos also shows the police officers grappling with bystanders. It appears at one point that the cop, he's 
kind of kneeling down, trying to arrest the suspect or get him into the patrol car. And then another person comes from behind and it looks like he's almost reaching for his weapon. Is part of the, this whole issue of being able to control the situation also have to do with the fact of the diaphragm law, which means that the police, when they're making an arrest, they can no longer pin someone down, say, with the knee and kind of really get them in there, meaning that you can't put any pressure on someone's chest or back, almost like an overreaction to what happened with George Floyd. I mean, how else are cops supposed to apprehend an individual and get them in that patrol car? Almost impossible. And you saw that in the Bronx video that's being referred to. Three or four cops attempt without putting knees on the back or pressure on the back to engage the uh, uh, potential arrestees' hands, trying to control the hands and legs. Very, very difficult, if not impossible, for two officers, let alone three or four. In the meantime, you have this crowd threatening the officers by being so close. Uh, the idea of the officers worried about somebody grabbing the gun, somebody assaulting them. You saw in that video, for example, one officer pushing some of the crowd back, and one of the crowd really swings and punches them in the face. That, uh, and in the meantime, to these morons uh, throwing bottles across the street at them. No, the lawlessness in the streets of New York is increasing dramatically. And who do you want to blame? Well, I blame the voters that put these uh, district attorneys and these politicians into office. And uh, uh, I still love Ed Koch's famous line, voters have, sp- have spoken, now they must be punished. Well, boy, in New York, are they being punished. Crime up 37%, transit crime up 50%. Murders, which were being celebrated as being down double digit last month, and shootings down double digit. This month, they're down single digit. So the trending is going in the wrong direction on murders and shootings also. Pretty soon they'll be in the column where they have increased rather than decreased. Ed Cox here, Commissioner. There, It's not just the, uh, the very liberal prosecutors, but there's also behind them getting them elected. It doesn't take much money to elect a prosecutor. And there are people who are putting a lot of money – through uh, George Soros, George and Soros. he's recommitted. He's recommitted himself to backing these let him out of jail prosecutors. And, and, and he, he cannot he cannot point to one successful progressive district attorney in America. Can't find one in which one of these people he has funded has reduced crime in their city. And in fact, voters are rejecting the ones he has spent of dollars on in San Francisco. Hopefully, very shortly in uh, uh, Los Angeles also. Soros basically is single-handedly undermining uh, the justice system in America with his funding. And But we do not have a recall law like they have in California, like they used in San Francisco here in in New York. So how do we handle the governor, a the DA governor can pull, who was elected to a four-year term? The governor can pull the DA. Right. The governor can pull the DA. And what's dumbfounding to me, Commissioner Bratton, is the fact that Governor Hochul, she was she's not a radical. She wasn't a radical. Why has she not? I know you can't speculate, really, but it's just really dumbfounding. I don't know. Astonishing to me that she has not spoken out about this, that if police officers are under siege, what about everyday New Yorkers, how they feel walking down the streets? We deserve better and we are owed better. Well, as we get closer to the election, as Zeldin increases his attacks, we'll see if uh, Governor Hochul responds to um, some of the comments you are making, or 
risks it all in hopes that she gets elected. And then uh, we'll see if she returns to center after election, because right now uh, she is clearly showing she's going to stay to the left uh, to not lose that support that she thinks is essential to win come November. Uh, we'll just have to wait and see and see how effective Mr. Zeldin's attacks are. And uh, for that matter, I understand Mayor Adams tomorrow will be holding a press conference where he once again is going to be demanding a special session of the legislature to address the growing mayhem in his city. Because he clearly understands he has a lot to lose in the sense of the uh, political leadership up in Albany is hurting him significantly the city. Well, thank you so much, Commissioner Bratton. And if anyone from Mayor Adams' office or if the mayor is listening himself, you have the 100% backing of WABC and so many thousands, possibly tens of thousands, millions of New Yorkers that want our city safe. So thank you so much, Commissioner Bratton. All the best. Have a safe evening. Thank you. Now on the line for us, we have Ryan Payne to talk a little bit about the economy. Ryan Payne, are you there? I'm here. So tell us first about where you're about your firm. You work with your dad. That's right. Payne Capital Management here in New York City offices outside of Philadelphia and Jacksonville as well. Um, and we're on WBC every weekend on Saturday at uh, one o'clock on the More Money Show. Inflation. It's what basically almost like a, a 10 percent tax hike on most Americans. If somebody came to you and said, listen, I'm seeing more money go out than more money coming in. What do I do? What do I invest in? Well, I think it, it's problematic because if you sit in cash right now, inflation is 10%, but you might have noticed your savings account pays like 1% if you're lucky, right? I think the highest money market in the country um, is somewhere around 1%, one, 1.5%. One and if you have 10% inflation, obviously you're losing against purchasing power. So I think it's really important, more important than ever, that you do invest your money for growth because if your money's just sitting in cash right now, um, you're losing at the highest rate that we've seen in 40 years. It's not like the last 10 years when inflation was really low and you could afford to sit in your savings account. So meanwhile, if you're invested in places like the stock market, the bond market, um, you know, yields have gone up significantly and dividend yields are going up this year. So you need cash flowing investments to grow over inflation. Okay. I'm gonna, John Katzmatidis, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Uh, the the fact is, uh, the 10-year uh, T-bill uh, was almost down to 250, and uh, and th- that means uh, they didn't think that the uh, Fed was going to raise interest rates in the future. And today, reversed itself and it went way up again. What is your gut feeling about what happened today? <laughs> I mean, it's like a yo-yo with the Fed. I um, mean, I, I call them pivoting pow. You never know which way Jerome's going to go. Um, I don't know, John. I mean, we've talked about this before. I still suspect by the time the fall comes around, and it goes back to a lot of things that you pointed out, oil prices have come down. Um, and then you said that, you know, food prices are going to come down. They're starting to come down. So I think we get to the fall here, and we do see a real uh, deflation in commodity prices. I do think the Fed is going to start to, to dial back on how much they raise interest rates. And I know today you had some of the Fed presidents talking tougher um, but I think the bottom line is the 10 year still at 2.7%. was at 3.5% just like a month ago. So I, I think the market is telling you uh, inflation is cooling off and the Fed probably is still going to pivot. Uh, we both agree on that. It's like uh, the movie Duke and Duke. Somebody always knows. <laughs> yes, exactly. 
What Ryan. else would you like to tell us about the market? Uh, uh, the fact, I mean, the earnings are good. Uh, the the companies are making more money, and as Larry, our friend Larry Kudlow would say, the, the earnings are the mother of uh, the market. A hundred percent. The earnings drive everything. I think the biggest surprise this quarter is how good earnings have been. Right? You have over fifty percent of companies have been on earnings expectations now. Expectations were very, very low. You know, Wall Street was very, very negative going to this quarter. And I think the big surprise is how well companies are managing the higher inflation. And, you know, I think, again, if inflation is going to start to come down, that probably bodes well for earnings out the rest of the year. And you know, you've seen a huge rebound in stock prices. If you go back to, to mid-June, uh, the S&P 500 has given back its rebound at half its losses, up over 12% in just about a month and a half. So, you know, I think if you look out into the future here, we're talking lower inflation, interest rates have come down a little bit, and companies are managing uh, you know, relatively well here with their profits. That's a pretty optimistic scenario, and that's the reason I'd want to be invested in stocks here today. I wouldn't be sitting in cash. As I like to say, John, No, well, we agree. And Washington is very, very – working very, very hard to get us into a recession, and uh, <laughs> I think America's resisting it. And, and, and that's the good news, but uh, they're still fighting hard to get us into a recession. They really are. Um, and you start looking at some of these new bills where they want to spend more money, and we know when Washington spends more money, that equals more inflation, which is completely backward uh, right now. I think the one saving grace we have right now is just how strong the labor market is. Um, you had the JOLTS report yesterday. You still have something like 10.8 million jobs available. So I think that's going to stay strong, and I think that's going to be one of the drivers that keeps us, protect us from, uh, I guess, Washington. Thank you. We're at the end of the show. And the one thing we all say, what do we stand for on this show? Truth, Truth, justice, justice, and the American American way. way. And the American way. God bless everybody. God bless America. Thank you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.